You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with my co-host Blake Alderman. Blake, we got a little bit of recruiting news to start us off today before we get into breaking down the Florida LSU game this weekend, which will be at Baton Rouge. Uh, I think a big test for Florida. Everybody's kind of looking forward to that. Coming off the the Vanderbilt win, kind of a bounce back. But let's talk about recruiting. Uh, a couple of news items to get to on that front. I guess first off, Blake, Florida lost a commitment from the time we shot our last podcast. Can you fill us in on who that is and, and what this kind of means for the class? Yeah, on the 7th of this month, Florida lost a commitment from tight end uh, C.J. Hawkins out of the Tampa Berkeley prep area, um, committed to Florida back uh, earlier this year, um, tabbed him as his dream school, visited for the Alabama game, and noted that, you know, no recruiting drama there, solid to Florida. Um, but he took an official visit to Stanford where he actually flipped his commitment to um, on the 7th. Um, you know, took that official visit back in June, um, had been talking to Stanford kind of behind the scenes. Um, it was a bit of a surprise to me, and I think it was a bit of a surprise to the coaching staff with that change of heart there. Um, you know, a chance that I, I saw in his graphic, you know, I haven't really checked into it, but he had a graphic of him, you know, in a football jersey and a basketball jersey. He was a basketball guy before he started playing football last year. Um, you know, big academic kid. So I think just the allure of Stanford's academics, maybe the chance to play two sports out there, I, I think ultimately um, was the reason for that change of heart. But again, <clears throat> a surprise to me. Um, it sounds like it was a surprise to the coaching staff. So now Florida doesn't have a tight end commit. And they're, you know, kind of looking around at some guys, you know, earlier this weekend, Florida actually kind of kicked the tires back again on an LSU commit named Mason Taylor. Um, you know, committed to LSU earlier this year, um, landed an offer from Florida back in the summer, um, talked to Tim Brewster on Sunday of this past weekend. Um, Jason Taylor is his father, the Miami Dolphins legend. So, you know, there's a, you know, he's a coach at St. Thomas Aquinas um, where Mason attends, um, you know, no visits there planned out to get to Florida. Um, I don't believe he's even taking his official visit to LSU yet. I, I believe he'll take that later this year, but, you know, right now Florida's not really got a lot of targets left on that t- tight end board um, but Mason Taylor seems like a guy they're going to kick the tires on yeah I mean Blake it's hard to fault a kid for for decommitting and going to Stanford I mean that's you know obviously a prestigious academic institution and it's not the first time it's happened to Florida I remember you know several years back Nor Davis was a guy that was kind of between Florida and Stanford from the villages area ended up picking Stanford but uh Blake there's also been some positive news on the recruiting trail for Florida uh, four-star receiver Jaden Gibson was a guy that we had talked about on a previous episode of the podcast, was a guy that was going to make his commitment. Uh, how did that pan out for Florida? Yeah, he picked the Gators uh, yesterday um, on Wednesday at his high school. Um, had been a lean to Florida for quite a while. He actually gave a silent commitment to the coaching staff for, uh, for that Alabama game where he visited for. Um, you know, number one wide receiver in the state of Florida, um, a true six-foot-five kind of deep threat. You know, he's always been kind of a deep ball type of guy. But, you know, I won game on Monday. It's really kind of proved on the short to intermediate kind of things. Um, you know, he's really got strong hands. You know, he's, he's good with the ball after the catch. Um, caught a touchdown. I think he had some around 100 yards um, in, that, in that win on Monday. Um, I, I think it's a really good pickup for Florida. You know, the long, lanky size to kind of, co- you know, compare with, you know, the slot guys and Isaiah Bond and a speedy type of guy in Chandler Smith. You know, 
Jaden is kind of a deceptive speedy guy. You know, he's not really a burner, but when you see a six foot five type of wide receiver, you just think, of, you know, deep ball, 50, 50 type of threat, but you know, he's got some wheels on him. You know, I wouldn't compare him to, you know, the Chandler Smiths and the Isaiah bonds as far as their speed, because they have elite top end track speed. Right. Um, but you know, really good pickup for Florida. I think when you add some some weight, you know, some meat on his bones, he's about 185, tall, lanky type of guy. But I think when you add some meat on the bones there, um, you know, I think he's going to have a really good career. And I think one of the things that impresses me the most is, you know, the jump that he's made from year to year in high school, you know, even from junior year to senior year, you see the improvements, you know, from seven on seven in the offseason, you could see him make those improvements and, you know, kind of take over, have a chance to take over games. Um, but you know, Florida's really putting together a really nice wide receiver class with Bond Smith, um, now Jaden Gibson, you know, five-star wide receiver Evan Stewart is still out there. Um, and, you know, Jaden actually said that he's going to, you know, continue to kind of keep in his ear now, um, you know, try to recruit, you know, Evan Stewart to Florida. So, um, you know, Florida's putting together a really good wide receiver class. So, you know, that that's a, a big shout-out to Billy Gonzalez, you know, who's, who's already putting he's done together a, great a job. solid class. You know, he's the last two classes, he's really done a good job. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, obviously they had that class early on with Trent Whittemore, Deontay Marks, and uh, who's the third guy I'm forgetting? Marcus Weston. Uh, they had that class, and, and so far that class hadn't really panned out. You know, Trent Whittemore is looking like he was kind of a good a good pick, kind of accurately rated. Uh, Jamarcus Weston, haven't seen as much of him, but I think when you look at that class that uh, you had Xavier Henderson and, and uh, Jaquavian Frazier, both of those guys seem to be panning out. You start sacking more of these four-star types like they're doing this year, uh, especially with, like you said, some of the speed that they got. You got to feel good about that position going forward. But Blake, let's shift over to the LSU game real quick. Uh, LSU obviously going through it a little bit this year, really ever since they won that national title in 2019. Uh, I want to say they're 8-8 eight and eight since then. Last three games in the SEC, uh, you know, they get by Mississippi State, but really probably gave up that game against Auburn. You know, they were up pretty big in that one. And then last week, Kentucky kind of ran all over them. Uh, what do you see from the Tigers? And um, I guess let, let's start talking about the matchups in that game. You know, I think for me, it's just the fact that they really struggled to stop the run, you know, and obviously Florida does a really good job there with that. Um, I think that's going to kind of be the key to the game to me with Florida having that strong rushing attack and LSU struggling there. Um, but, you know, those are just kind of my opinions from there. But I know you've actually watched LSU pretty much in depth. You've watched a lot of their last couple of games. You know, what do you see from the Tigers after your in-depth look at them? Well, I think the number one thing that stands out to me is LSU doesn't have the amount of dudes that they normally do. And, and part of that's injury. You know, they've got defensive end. Ali Gay is now missing. Uh, Keyshawn Booty is out at receiver, who I thought was probably their best player on offense. Uh, you've got a pair of top cornerbacks out in Derek Stingley and Eli Ricks. So this year's game is shaping up a lot like last year's game in the sense that I think LSU came in with something like 54, 55 scholarship guys in the swamp last year. They won't be that limited this season, but, you know, a lot of the guys that are out are kind of some of their top guys. So I think at least offensively, when you look at it, there's not a whole lot of guys that I really circle now. You know, Keyshawn Booty was probably the number one guy that you would circle and say, OK, when LSU is moving the ball offensively, he's consistently the guy that is most involved. Uh, I think quarterback wise, LSU, you know, Max Johnson, Florida saw what he could do last year. He's a guy that. Certainly looks like the son of a former NFL quarterback, that being Brad Johnson, obviously, who played for the Bucks back in the day, won a Super Bowl. Max Johnson's a guy that's he's hard to rattle. And that's not that, you know, he he won't feel the pressure from time to time. I think you saw Mississippi State really kind of bring the blitz on him and affect him a little bit, kind of got him throwing a little quicker than he would want to. 
Um, but by and large, LSU, like I said, you just don't see the playmakers there, uh, particularly offensively. I think the running back, Ty Davis Price, he's a he's a good guy, you know, but I, I think he's really the only one who's established himself in the backfield. And so, you know, with with Davis Pierce, I think you need to be very physical tackling him. You know, if you give him the ability to uh, break tackles one on one, he's going to do that. Right. So you got to get hats to the football. Uh, but but Blake, I think, um, you know, the flip side of, of LSU not being able to stop the run is their O-line also does not look very good to me. I mean, this is not an LSU team. Typically, you see them kind of built around the trenches. That's not this LSU team. They've been very vulnerable, I think, in both trenches. And, you know, injuries have impacted that a lot on the defensive side of the ball where they haven't been able to stop the run. But I think their O-line has been a real problem for LSU. And so, you know, certainly schematically, they've shifted a lot to be a, a very passing team rather than kind of the, the LSU of old where you really pound the ball. And they're really trying to stick to that passing identity. Um, but but for me, Blake, I just don't see a ton of playmakers. And, you know, when you get into that, it's it's more if you go in there and you execute, I think you've got a chance to be successful against this LSU team. Oh, did I lose you there? Nope, I'm here. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, talking to Damian Pierce and, and, you know, some of these guys, I think LSU doesn't try to get overly complicated with things. They've got a lot of athletes, right? Um, a lot of it's going to, like I said, I think come down to execution. And um, we can talk about the defense in a minute uh, of LSU because I think how Emory Jones plays against this team will be very important. But as far as Florida's defense is concerned, Blake, I mean, I, I really feel like you know, UF's defense has gotten quite a bit better over the last couple of weeks. I think it's 37 points given up in the last 15 quarters against SEC opponents. So, I mean, you tell me what you think, but I, I think if Florida's defense kind of keeps doing what it has been lately, not allowing the deep shot over the top, which again, I think with booty out is really less of a threat from LSU. Um, and then just force LSU to drive the field on you. I mean, they don't have a dominant ground game. I think Florida's front four should be able to control the line of scrimmage. Like to me, if Florida just comes out and does what it's been doing defensively, I think they'll be in good shape. You know, I think one of the biggest things from the takeaway from the Vanderbilt game was just a, a lot of missed tackles there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think with, you know, that that's kind of the key for me. But, you know, I agree with you. I think that Florida's defense outside of that Vanderbilt game where they missed a lot of those tackles, I think that they've been pretty good. You know, I think that, you know, where they – have kind of come with a lot of growing pains. You know, I think if you get a guy like Kyer Elam back, that's obviously a big boost for Ford on the defense. Um, but, you know, just kind of wrapping up and, and letting that defensive line continue to play as good as they have for this season. You know, I think that's kind of another key for the game for me on the defensive side. You know, if they can instill yeah. that will on that front four right there, you know, it's going to be tough sledding for LSU. And who knows, who knows about Kyer Elam, right? He's been out for three weeks with the sprained knee. Dan Mullen basically said he was probable <laughs> three weeks ago. So, I'm not putting any stock into Dan Mullen's injury reports at this point. And unfortunately, uh, I mean, you know how it is with trying to get information out of this program right now. It's, it's, it's been tough. And I think, uh, I think unfortunately the, the heat maybe a little bit that, that, you know, people in the program are feeling from that last Kentucky, the poor start to the season guys just haven't been opening up about injuries. And so it's been really hard to know, you know, is Kyrie Elam going to be back? But Blake, I, I've been pretty impressed with the depth that's developing in the secondary. Yeah, you know, I think Jason Marshall has been pretty impressive. You know, guy, true freshman coming in. You know, early on in the season, you know, true freshman, you throw him out there, you know, he's going to get his lumps. But I think he's really rebounded, and I think he's been very impressive. He's what, you know, you expect from a five-star type of cornerback. Yeah, I think he's been really good. I think Avery Helm has taken a lot of steps. And then I think, 
Last week we saw because of Travez Johnson getting ejected for the targeting call, you saw Jadarius Perkins play a lot. I think he got something like 50, 60 snaps in the game. And he was a guy that we both had kind of identified on this podcast in the first two games as a guy that when he was in there was very, very physical, was a good tackler. And that was kind of one of the drawbacks so far for Travez Johnson was that he was a little bit hit or miss in that area. So I, I'm glad that uh, Jadarius Perkins was able to get more snaps last week. I, I Again, I think Florida's got some young pieces developing where um, I, I still worry about the defense a little bit against really, really good teams. And I think George is going to be able to test Florida a lot. But I think the LSU def- or the LSU offense, excuse me, is one dimensional and enough that as long as Florida keeps things in front of them, I think they're going to be okay in this game. But let's talk about LSU's defense a little bit because, you know, that's an area I think that was, in my opinion, one of the equalizers last year. You know, uh, obviously they didn't really shut Florida down. That was kind of a, a shootout sort of game. But they did enough to make Kyle Trask uncomfortable in that game with their athletes that Florida turned it over and kind of kept it a game in a situation where it really shouldn't be. And I think that's the number one danger when you walk into Baton Rouge is, you know, if you let LSU's defense start to get comfortable, start to make plays, start to build momentum, they do have the athletes, even with some of the guys that they have out to make some of those big plays that can swing games. But Blake, I I go back to kind of what I said to start the show I don't see a whole lot of dudes out there for LSU. And now some of them are on the sideline, Derek Stingley, Eli Ricks, Allie Gay. Um, But I think LSU's linebackers are a real weak spot this year. I think to your point, you know, Florida should be able to run all over LSU and Kentucky did it last week. I think a lot of counter is going to be able to, to hit against LSU. You get them flowing one direction or another. And uh, maybe we'll talk about it more in the keys to the game. But I think as long as Florida can avoid making mistakes offensively and, basically stay out of predictable downs, meaning third and long. As long as Florida stays even with the chains, I think you can do enough misdirection-wise, whether it's running counter, whether it's bootlegging Emory Jones out to give him easier reads, that kind of thing, that I think you can really take advantage. You know, LSU, you saw it in the Auburn game. Blake, Bo Nix was able to improvise quite a bit, you know, when LSU was able to get pressure. And with with Allie Gay out, they're probably not going to get as much pressure so to me, Blake, I, I think it boils down to Emory Jones just staying within himself. And then, like you said, you got to ride the run game and kind of put this game on LSU to go out there and make a game-changing play rather than Florida making some of the mistakes we saw against Kentucky where you know they don't necessarily have to make a big play. It's just kind of let Florida implode. That can't happen in this game for Florida. Right? right? They got to get those false start issues cleaned up. Um, do you have confidence, I guess, that Florida will be able to do that? I know – it's, this is going to be an 11 a.m. kickoff, so that's probably a great thing for Florida in terms of avoiding a really hostile crowd. But where are you at in terms of your confidence that some of those issues that showed up against Kentucky will be ironed out on the road now for the first time since that game? You know, I think for me, I think it, you know it's really just the simple fact of having that noon game for Florida. You know, for Florida, you know, it's it's not going to be that hostile environment. I mean, Kentucky Stadium looked like it was rocking. You know, it I was. Mean, it looked like it was just really hard to hear. Um, you know, I don't know that Florida is going to have that same, you know, type of environment that they're going to have to play in. You know, that's obviously not like it's going to, you know, you could hear a pin drop there because, you know, LSU, Florida, you know, that's going to draw somewhat of a crowd. But with it being so early, I think that's a positive for Florida. You know, I, I think that they have probably tried to tinker with, you know, some of the snap counts, you know, the clapping and things like that. So, um, you know, I, I think working on that is big. You know, it, it's kind of hard for me 
mean to say for sure, but I just think the sheer fact of it's not going to be, you know, Kroger Field out there with, you know, Pat Crowd, you know, everyone going crazy there. So I think that that's the silver lining for Florida there. And doesn't it sound weird that we're talking about uh, comparing Tiger Stadium to Kroger Field? And like, that's a legit comparison this year. Like, Props to uh, Mark Stoops over at Kentucky, man. Like, I know we talked about it a little bit after the game, but he's done a hell of a job with that program. And, uh, I mean, dude, Lexington's been popping off. I mean, I watched it when, you know, LSU went in there last week. That place was rowdy, at, at least sounding on TV. I mean, it sounded like it was an issue. And uh, the fact that, you know, obviously this game's at 11 a.m. for Florida local time is going to help. But, uh, I mean, that's the kind of year we're in, man. 2021, a lot of these top teams have already lost. Alabama's lost. Clemson's lost. You know, unfortunately for Florida fans, George is the one team that kind of looks like a juggernaut right now. Uh, but that's where we're at, man. Anything can happen in college football. And I think anything can happen when Florida and LSU meet. So, Blake, let's take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back on the other side, I want to talk to you about the importance of this game in terms of the big picture. And then we'll break down uh, both you and me, kind of the keys to the game for Florida and LSU this weekend, right after this commercial break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with my co-host, Blake Alderman. Like, I wanted to talk about the importance of this LSU game because, you know, obviously Florida hasn't started the season the way they wanted to. They're four and two, which unfortunately, you know, you could kind of write off the Alabama game. It's really hard to beat Alabama. And I think everybody going into the year kind of had that one penciled in as a loss. And the hope was that you could get to the Georgia game where that one basically decides the East. Unfortunately, because of the loss to Kentucky, that's no longer the case now. You know, a lot of football still to be played, but like to me, after that Kentucky loss, this this LSU game became in some ways, at least for now, really the swing game of the season in terms of whether or not you end up looking back on this 2021 season as, well, it was kind of a tough rebuilding year, but, you know, we more or less held serve versus if it goes the other way, all of a sudden you're like, uh oh, where's this program headed to you? What does this game mean, both in the context of the 2021 season and the bigger picture being in year four and where that leaves the program, depending on how this game 
comes out in terms of result. You know, obviously the East has a lot of things to play out, but, you know, coming out of that Kentucky game, I think that, you know, a lot of fans started to lose interest. You know, obviously, you know, they're still going to watch the games, but, you know, with Florida pretty much out of contention for the East, you know, I think apathy is starting to set in somewhat. You know, you've even seen it on message boards of, you know, like, why should we watch the game? Why do we care? Blah, 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 blah. You know, those kind of things That's what out we there. Do. We watch exactly. <laughs> but I think for me, you know, it's a chance to rebound. You know, a lot of the storylines are setting up like last year's LSU game, all these guys out of there and Florida came out and lost, you know, winning a rivalry game like this, you know, cause LSU and Florida has really tuned up to be a big rivalry game for yeah. both of these teams, even though, you know, they're not in the same you know division and, you know, all those kind of things. Um, it's a game that you don't want to lose because the noise in the system starts to crank up more. LSU's looking vulnerable. Um, you know, you look at just the Kentucky game kind of taking the air out of the season a little bit there. You just don't want to continue to let more air out of that balloon. You know, so I think that, you know, winning this game, it continues to have Florida to where, you know, they control their own destiny because it's like we said on the podcast, you know, last week, this is one game to where, you know, kind of a Dan Mullen type of season to where, you know, it'd be very much a, you know, type of year to where Florida could lose to Kentucky and come out and somehow find a way to beat Georgia. You know I mean? And those kind of yeah. things are still on the table. You know, and losing LSU just continues to put you more and more out of contention. I think it continues to bring more and more question to Dan Mullen. You know, I don't think that, you know, the seat is getting hot, but, you know, I think fans are going to continue to kind of grumble more if Florida doesn't come out there. So in the grand scheme of things, this is a game Florida should win in the terms of controlling their own destiny, you know, continuing to, you know, kind of win things there. And I mean, it's just continuing to kind of build up some momentum there for Florida, you know, coming out of that LSU game, it takes a lot of, said, like I said, the air out of the balloon. Um, but, you know, a win like this just continues to, you know, not let things deflate even more. You know, it's another win over LSU. You know, Dan Mullen has, you know, lost some games to Ed Orgeron. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of different storylines that are positives for Florida. Um, you know, I don't know that this game really means anything in the grand picture of things, because like I said, Florida is out of contention or looking to be out of contention of the East. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those things to where it's it's just kind of a confidence builder for the program, for the fans, you know, to, to just continue to get another win there. Yeah, I think how I mean, let's put it this way. How often do you get to walk into Baton Rouge as a 10 point favorite knowing LSU's got three of its best players out on defense. It's got their best offensive playmaker out. Uh, they're not good at in the trenches. And like I said, you're favored by double digits. I mean, that's, that doesn't happen often. So um, from a narrative standpoint, it sets up to me, like, again, like you said, kind of like last year, like it's not a game you should lose. Right. And if you lose, I think um, it's one of those ones that you shouldn't drop. Right. And Alabama, like we said, Alabama, all day, all day long, you can write that one off. Not a big deal. I actually think in hindsight, we may look back at that Kentucky game and say, hey, you know what? They were a pretty dang good team this year. Uh, maybe it doesn't end up that way. We'll find out a lot more this week when they take on Georgia. But uh, to me, this is one where you go in favored. And when you've already lost two games, you can't afford to drop games where you're actually a clear favorite. Where assuming you don't make a bunch of mistakes, you're the better team and you should win. So I agree with you in that sense. I almost think in some ways, you know, last week was a good sort of palate cleanser for Florida. You know, you, you assumed that there was going to be some frustration. You're, you're going against a Vanderbilt team that you should blow out. They're really a bad team. And Florida didn't have the cleanest game, but they got all that out of their system. Now you go in on the road against a team that won a game they shouldn't have last year in your place. There's all the kind of psychological motivators you could need to come out and show up for this game. You got a bye week the next week, so you shouldn't be leaving anything out there. And I think Blake, if, 
if Florida attacks this game the way they should and they come out with a nice convincing win, I think that sets the tone going into that Georgia week, right? And like you said, it wouldn't really surprise anybody if Dan Mullen has an awesome game plan with some wrinkles that they haven't put on tape at all yet this year to kind of catch Georgia off guard. Who knows what their quarterback situation will be by then, all that kind of thing. So it gives you a chance to potentially reshape the entire narrative of the season with that Georgia game. And I think almost regardless of how that Georgia game plays out, I think this LSU game in the long run is going to be more important to the bigger picture outlook coming out of 2021, right? I think win or lose against Georgia, you know, this LSU game is the one that that takes you from being either this was a disappointing season or, you know, we held serve slash did even better than projected, right? I think this game is the one you have to have. So, Blake, let's talk a little bit about our keys to the game. I have an obvious one. It's avoid turnovers, right? I think Max Johnson, uh, he's been pretty good at quarterback, man, for LSU. And that's not to say he can't make mistakes, but he's very decisive getting the football out. And I think if Florida's able to pressure him, have some success hitting him the way Mississippi State did, the way Auburn did, the way Kentucky did, I think given, I think, how the other matchup's going to go, where I think Florida should be able to run the ball and Kind of, I, I expect Florida to kind of get out into a lead in this one and force LSU to press. I think you have the chance to force some takeaways. But on the flip side, LSU, like I said, the, the, the great equalizer for LSU's defense is they do have athletes, right? So you don't want to turn the ball over, and you want to avoid getting into those predictable downs, those, those third and longs. You got to win on first down because if you can keep LSU guessing between the run or the pass, particularly with a dual-threat quarterback, I think you can carve up this defense. I think the only way you really get into trouble against LSU is if you you lose on first down more often than not, and then you're getting into passing situations where LSU likes to drop a lot of guys in coverage, and you've seen other quarterbacks be able to take advantage by running some of those zone flood concepts where you have routes at the first level of the defense, second level of the defense, and the deep level, and then you kind of let your quarterback pick his spots. I'm not sure that's Emory Jones' strength, now, Florida will try to do that, but I think, Blake, you got to avoid turnovers and you got to stay ahead of the chains. To me, those are two of my biggest keys. What do you see as, as some of the keys to this game? You know, I kind of go back to the Vanderbilt game wrapping up. You know, I think that, you know, you play a team like Vanderbilt that could have very well had, you know, what, three missed field goals and a touchdown that was yeah. called back. You know, I, obviously it was still going to be a blowout win. But those type of mistakes, if you do that on the road, you know, you do that again, I know it's an early game, but you know, if you keep the crowd in there by missing tackles, letting yep. LSU continue to move and have life, those are things you need to do. Cleaning up the tackle, being physical. I think those are the big things on defense for me. Um, and then offensively, you know, it's just the offensive line just continue to get pushed, you know, opening up those running lanes. You know, you know, Florida's got some backs, you know, they have talent back there. Um, the offensive line has played very well this season. You know, I think they've exceeded my expectations. They've had some games, you know, the LSU game, or excuse me, the Kentucky game where they had some setbacks. Um, but, you know, if they can continue to just, you know, limit those penalties, continue to get pushed there, I think it's going to really help Florida continue to, um, you know, open up the run game. Um, you know, pass protection, they've been really well this season there. But, you know, I think that it all starts up front for Florida. Yeah, I agree with you. And I guess that's kind of something we've neglected a little bit to this point is Florida's O-line does come in pretty banged up. Richard Garage missed the game at left tackle last week. I didn't think Mark Michael Tarquin was quite as good on that left side as he was on the right. 
you know, Kingsley's been a little banged up at center. So we'll see how healthy Florida is, you know, on the O-line. That that could be a big factor if they have some of those starters missing and have to kind of go with a makeshift line. But I'm with you. The other thing I think, Blake, that could be a factor in this game, and this kind of boils down to what you're talking about of not letting the crowd get into the game, not letting LSU feel like um, feel like they're in the game, basically, right? Not not letting that be a factor. I think with a three and three LSU team coming in, you've got some quitting potential there, right? Like they 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 know in the fan base that Ed Orgeron's seat is burning hot. They know that this season could go really south in a hurry. They've got, you know, like I said, we talked about all the key players that they have that are out. What I want to see Florida do is make LSU tackle you, make them get you to the ground on offense, right? And some of that will be dictated by how well Florida can get to the second level. Again, I don't think LSU's linebackers are very good, and that's that's the biggest difference I see with this LSU defense compared to most of the ones we're used to seeing. I don't think they're nearly as good at linebacker. But I look at, you know, especially the Mississippi State game, LSU is very quick. They got a lot of athletes in the back end, and they like, like I said, they like to drop a lot of guys in coverage. When you're talking about that run game, when you're making these DBs tackle, they come up, they don't, I don't see them wrapping up all that well. So I, I want to see guys not go down on first contact. And Florida's been pretty good at that. If you can, if you can break some tackles, Blake, and, and really kind of just demoralize LSU from the standpoint of they think they have you, you break a tackle, spills for a first down, kind of the things that we've seen Florida's ground game do all year, I think you can get LSU to quit in this game. And to be quite frank with you, Blake, I think this is a game that Florida should win pretty comfortably. I agree. So you're taking the over. You know, I uh, actually made the mistake of not even checking the, the over-under. What do we got? It's 11. The, 11. Spreads, the spread's 11. Yeah, 10 and a half, 11, I think is right. We got this some. is 11 and a half. Spreads 11 and a half. What's our over under? I should have pulled this up before we, before we did it. I've also got you like freezing a little 59.5. 59.5. 59.5. See, I don't know if I, I don't know if I like the over, but again, I'm, I'm not very good doing these. We've, we've been pretty upfront on the podcast. I think you're uh I think you're out front of both Bob and myself. So uh, let's go ahead and, and make some picks. We don't have to pick the score, but h- how are you feeling about let's we'll just handle the spread. Let's leave the over under alone. How are you feeling? Uh, I think Florida, I think Florida takes it. You know, I, I, I like 11 and a half. I think that if Florida can come out and instill their will, uh, I think that I agree with you. I think LSU will quit and I think Florida can pull away. I'm with you. I, I to me, it's not often that I would pick a Florida team especially one that is kind of a big favorite. It's weird. It's to weird, to, it, it's, it's it's weird to pick that on. the Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I just look at LSU, man. They're not good in the trenches and uh, their, their best defensive lineman is out. The one guy that I've seen kind of get consistent pressure. That's Allie. Gay. He's not going to play. Talk about the two corners being out. I, I think LSU is still good in the secondary. I mean, that's when you recruit a lot of athletes, you have the potential to make plays. Uh, but the bottom line for me is Florida should be able to run the football pretty well. I think that's going to control kind of the pace of the game. I think as long as Florida doesn't turn it over, especially early in the game, they're going to be in good shape. I think LSU just does not have enough difference makers to me. So Blake, anything else we need to get to today before we sign off? I don't think so. Cause my internet sucks and I'm over here going in and out. <laughs> it's all good, man. We'll, we'll wrap it up there guys. That's, that's going to do it for today's episode of the swamp 24 seven podcast. Both Blake and I walk like Florida to kind of walk into LSU and come away with a pretty comfortable win. But as we well know in this series, nothing is guaranteed. So it'll definitely be an interesting game Saturday. I do think this one will shape 
kind of the direction of Florida's season. I think, look, forget forget how Florida wins in this game. Anytime you can go into LSU and get a win, it's a good win, right? So I don't care if Florida wins by one. I don't care if they win by two. I don't care if it's an ugly game where Florida turns it over five times and still wins. As long as they win, I think you have the chance to really, really flip what so far this season has been the narrative that the Gators are maybe not quite where they should be, you know, lost to Kentucky. I think if you win at LSU, no matter how it looks, you have the chance to go in with the bye week, regroup, get healthy again, and then potentially pull off a shocker against a really, really good Georgia team. So that's the goal for Florida this week. We'll see how it plays out on Saturday. And Blake and I will be back on Sunday with a recap on the Swamp 24-7 podcast. That'll do it for today's episode, guys. We appreciate you tuning in. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply.